I drove through what was a construction zone, but I did not see was that the speed limit was dropped 10 miles an hour. And so in my head, I'm obeying all the rules and being awesome. So this policeman waves at me and I wave back and keep driving because like, oh, have a nice day, you know? <laughs> and I see in my rear view mirror, it's like, it's like cinematic. He looks at me, I keep going and he like double takes. So he like runs to his car, which was, you know, hilarious and like jumps in it. And so he pulls me over and he's like, why did you flee? Happy Vasaki, everyone. And welcome back to Drive With Us Podcast, a podcast where we explore driving cultures around the world by bringing on a new guest every episode to talk about the crazy things they experience on the road, who they are as drivers, and how they became the driver they are today. I'm Bavneet. And I'm Taranjeet. And also, happy bicycle day. Apparently, that's a thing. <laughs> so if you don't like driving, bicycle. Yeah. But be sure to tag us with your biking pics using the hashtag BikeWithUs2. And for those of you that were interested in our Vasaki thank you card and sticker, we will be mailing those out this week. Once again, thank you for all your support and keep driving. <laughs> and keep driving. And today's driver is Amy Bouchotts, a longtime journalist, an indoor fan turned outdoor lover, and host of the Humans Outside podcast. Amy and her family moved to Alaska in 2016 to refocus their lives on spending time in nature. And since September 2017, she has spent at least 20 minutes outside every single day as part of her Humans Outside 365 project. She shares with us driving on ice heaves on Paul Road, waving to a police officer who was trying to pull her over, and what it was like moving to Alaska. Let's meet today's driver, Amy Bouchotts. Welcome, Amy. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you guys so much for having me. What a what a pleasure. I'm super excited to hear your stories, especially since we haven't had anyone from Alaska yet. So I'm sure you have some different stories for us. So what is one of the most craziest driving stories you have experienced? So a lot, the thing to know about Alaska is there is like, um, it is a humongous place, right? So just for context, I mean, I think people know it's really ginormous. But for context, uh, Alaska is more than twice the size of Texas. So if you've ever driven through Texas, and this is a, like a place that does not end, double it. So the other thing to know about Alaska is that a lot of the state actually doesn't don't have any uh, doesn't have any roads that go to it. The amount of places you can actually drive in Alaska or drive to in Alaska is actually pretty limited. So with that in mind, there are places to go by car in Alaska, like point A to B, that are just extremely remote and it takes forever to get there. So my craziest Alaska driving story is driving what is known as the Hall Road or the Dalton Highway up north of the Arctic Circle towards Dead Horse, which is on the Arctic Ocean. It's the home of Prudhoe Bay. It's the home of the oil fields. When you hear about oil drilling in Alaska, you're hearing about up there. So this summer, my family and I got in the car and we were really, we were chasing sunshine. We had a week off of work. We wanted to go somewhere where it was not raining and 50 degrees. Uh, and we looked around the state and we determined that that was going to be the sunniest place. So in the car we went and we drove about eight hours um, outside of our home near Anchorage, which is in the southern part of the state, 
up north towards um, Fairbanks, which is sort of the central part of the state, and then towards the Dalton Highway, the Hall Road, heading out to Dead Horse. So this is a like, 250 mile highway. And it goes um, from, you know, just north of Fairbanks up to the Arctic Ocean. That's not like that many miles. But because the road is not entirely paved, or rather because parts of it are paved, it is very slow going. So the Dalton Highway is just, it is, if you've ever felt like you were driving maybe through Iowa and you're like, oh, here I am. This is the middle of nowhere. No, no, no. I found it. It's in Alaska. <laughs> so the problem, as I said, with the Dalton Highway is that it's not entirely paved. It would actually have been better if they just left well left enough alone and didn't pave it at all because the pavement portions have become what is known as an ice heave. So when the road freezes and asphalt freezes and then thaws, it bubbles up. And so when you go over it, it's like these tiny little speed bumps with no signage. All right. And you're like, gung, gung, gung. I, that's my sound effects for you. <laughs> Where like, and you hit them and suddenly you're like airborne, right? Because you had no idea this thing was going to be there. And there it is. And now it's too late to stop. This is how people break their cars. So you're always advised to have an extra tire. So my family and I, are, we decided, okay, we're going to go up here because it's sunny and because we have a week off work. And we dro- start driving up the Dalton Highway, the Hall Road, towards the Arctic Circle. And guys, it is just like white knuckle driving the whole time. Because you're, you're surrounded by this glorious landscape that you just really would love to be staring at. But instead, you have to watch the ground like a hawk. Because if you do not pay attention, you're going to land your entire car in a man-sized pothole which is what the non-paved portions are, or on the paved portions, you're going to go flying through the air because you hit one of these ice heaves. There's just no good option. Then sort of like icing on the weird road cake comes the semi-trucks. So these are humongous, you know, like 18-wheeler semis, okay? Do 18-wheeler semis have a problem with tiny little ice heaves and potholes? No, they do not. They are hauling. That's why it's called the Hall Road. And these guys drive between Fairbanks and the and Dead Horse on this road and they haul and they haul up right behind your car. And so imagine with me, if you will, driving cautiously down a dirt road in the like oh, the middle of literally nowhere. You have no cell reception, by the way. You're nowhere. And you are staring at the road because you're trying not to get eaten by a pothole or by an ice heave. And you glance up and see out of nowhere has come into your rear view mirror, this humongous semi that is barreling down on your car. And you now have to get out of the way because you have a humongous semi on the back of your car. And so you, there's nowhere to pull over. It was very stressful. But aside from all of that, what do you like? What's the point of drive? If not, not the destination, right? So we decided not to go all the way to Dead Horse because one day, like one nine hour day of this crazy driving, which got us about 100 miles, was quite enough for us. Thank you very much. But we ended up in Coldfoot, which is a little bit less than halfway up the road. And let me just tell you the scenes. Imagine yourself surrounded by mountainscapes that you're looking at and you're thinking, that cannot possibly be real. 
that this is surely some sort of green screen backdrop. And if I take a picture of this, one, it won't do it justice. And two, no one will believe me because this that I am seeing is just without context, fake. It's a fake news scenery, fake news. Like <laughs> you can't, there's no way to describe it. There's no way to take a picture of it. And it is just, it makes you feel very large and very small at the same time. And it is 100% worth the drive. I don't know, like, okay, so after parts of what you're saying, I don't know if I would ever take this road. I mean, I've read about it and Dead Horse just sounds very ominous. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? We didn't make it up there. And here's why. So in, in this year in COVID land, when you get up to Dead Horse, there is exactly one thing to do. And the thing to do is to pay the contractor who is allowed to take you to the Arctic Ocean through the oil fields to do so, so that you can go swim in the Arctic Ocean. Sounds great. Except this year, that contract, they weren't doing that. They just, it wasn't being offered. And so, you know, what's the, like, we're going to drive up there, tap the sign and turn around and drive home. Mm, that didn't sound that fun. So we decided to spend a le more leisurely day in Coldfoot, go on a nice little hike, take in the mountain views, you know, contemplate our choices with that road. It was really fun. What was really funny is my, my husband drove on the way there. He drove the whole way. And the next day I was like, I'm so tired of driving. Like, let's just go, like, let's turn around and go back. I've seen what there is to see. Pretty sure the rest of it looks like this. He's like, oh, I feel like I haven't seen anything. I really want to, like, I feel like there's more to see. And I realized it was because he had been driving the whole time. And unlike, you know, when you're driving like a normal highway, you probably have a chance to look around and appreciate what's going on around you. When you're driving the hall road, you're looking at the road. And so we swapped places, which is when I really got an appreciation for this like stress level of driving on that road. And he was like, oh yeah, it's so beautiful here. I didn't even notice. You know, so <laughs> yeah, it was great though. I mean, I, I think you should drive it. I think it's a it's a great it's a great experience. It's unlike anything else. Well, if you knew her stress level, I don't think you want to be in the car if she was driving. It's <laughs> a road trip for you. <laughs> While you were describing this, I just felt like I was in the car with you experiencing this. How long was this drive? Or like, how long were you on this road for? We drove. Um, I mean, all day, and we stopped. We stopped here and there to go on a walk or whatever. Um, I think the way up, we maybe spent seven hours in the car on the road. And then on the way back, we actually spent a little bit longer than that because we didn't, we did drive a little bit further up the road before going back because my husband really wanted to catch sight of the Brooks Range, which is a mountain range here in Alaska and is part of the national park that's up there. And so while you do not ever enter officially the national park on this road, um, you can see it. So he really wanted to see that. So we actually drove an additional 40 miles up the road so that he could see that. But that meant driving an additional 40 miles back down the road. Um, and this this event took us until, you know, until noon. But you know what? I think even that was worth it. It was just, like I said, fake, fake news views, guys. You know, <laughs> not real. But it's there. I swear to God, I saw it. <laughs> well, take your word for it. Would you ever go back or would you maybe like in the future, go all the way to the end where you're planning on going? Yeah. That, I mean, that's such a good question because it's like, man, my goodness, it was a long drive. And so I think like maybe I would take a plane, 
<laughs> can, I do, can I do that instead? I'll tell you what was really funny on the way up. At some point, we looked up behind us. You know, I told you the semis come barreling down. We look up behind us and what do we see but a U-Haul truck? Like a U-Haul box truck. And I'm like, I'm like, is somebody like moving out here? Like what in the, you know? And so it's these dudes. Um, we both pulled over at the um, rest stop slash campground that is at the Arctic Circle sign. So there's, of course, a sign that says this is the Arctic Circle now. And um, we had both pulled over at the same time there. And I was like, hey, guys, nice truck, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and as it turned out, they were just needed to rent a car to go hunt. And so they rented a U-Haul truck. But seems like there are other options. I don't know. Anyway, that wasn't your question. But that, that was a funny sort of like, hmm, okay. I don't know that I would drive drive it again. I, I think that I would just as soon pay a couple hundred bucks and fly up there as I would to spend the entire day, you know, that much sitting in the car, like your butt stock starts to hurt. Like things are aching. Get me out of here. <laughs> yeah. And it's probably not like, I guess, other road trips where you can like stop somewhere and get out. It seems like there's not much, many places to get out and take a break on that road. Yeah. It was just very desolate. And you have really have a, a sense of like, I want to get where we're going. I mean, you could stop anywhere. You know, so one of the really cool things about Alaska is that you can actually camp literally anywhere um, as long as it's a public area. So people pull like legitimately pull off the highway in a like pull off spot and camp there. But there's like not a lot going on. And we really were wanting to get to cold foot and just, you know, set up camp and be there. So just at some point, it's like you have to be purposeful about finding things to do or planning to stop and not just getting tunnel vision on the destination so that you can enjoy the drive. It, it sort of reminded me a little bit of driving through Canada on the way to Alaska, which is a whole nother road trip. I mean, literally a whole nother road trip. It's on the complete other side of the state. And that road is equally desolate. And, you know, we're talking no radio signals, no cell signals in between these towns in Canada. And, you know, less the road conditions are better. So it's less white knuckle, but you really at some point are just like, I just want to get where I'm going. So I, you know, it would be like an act of mindfulness to say, I am going to enjoy this trip and make sure I build in stopping points and don't just think about the destination. What made you decide to move to Alaska? And where did you move from? Yeah, so my family and I lived in Tennessee which uh, near Nashville. So just for perspective, if you're going to drive from tenants from Nashville, Tennessee to Anchorage, Alaska, the Boise, Idaho area is your approximately your halfway point. If you think about a map of the US, Boise seems really far from Tennessee and it is. That's halfway to Alaska. So whoa, hey, long drive. We really wanted to change everything we were doing and be more focused on spending time outside. My husband is an army combat veteran and he was experiencing a lot of challenges with, um, you know, basically just injuries from war. And we wanted to help him recalibrate and spend more time in nature. So we quite literally packed up the station wagon and moved to Alaska where we had never been, by the way, you know, we plotted out our road trip and we stuck everybody in the car and we hit, you know, hit the road. And, uh, I, 
got to say, like, it's very different from anywhere I've ever lived. Um, <laughs> it was a very different drive from anything I'd ever done. Lots of those moments of that view can't be real. And then we got up here and we looked at our lives and we were spending more time outside. But I realized like I wasn't spending the time outside that I thought that I would. Um, and so I created this little challenge for myself that I would try to spend at least 20 consecutive minutes outside every day for a year. That was in early or mid-2017. And since then, I have spent 20 consecutive minutes every day, you know, outside every day for over three years. Um, and I even now have a podcast about it called Humans Outside, where I talk to experts and people about making that into just a regular habit for your life. And it's it's a lot of fun. That's really awesome. I I just... I don't know how you're like out of all the places. Let's pick a place that I've never been before. And yeah, let's go move there. That sounds great. <laughs> well, like, okay. So how about like, think about it like this, though. If you had no reason to live where you live, like no family ties there, no reason to be there. Like you didn't own a house. Like maybe you like the, the restaurant down the street. And that's pretty much, you know, you have some friends. Like that's it. That's the only reason to live there. You can live literally anywhere you want. Where are you going to go and how are you going to pick it? Were you ever worried that if you got there and you're like, oh, I don't really like this place at all? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. So two things about that. One, we had lived in Washington State, which I really loved. And I had known a lot of people who lived up here in the Anchorage area through the military. And all of them were like, oh, my gosh, it's so great. We love it there. And the people who said that were the same people who really likes living in Washington state. So I figured, yeah, okay, it's a pretty good bet that if they like it and I like it, they're probably right about Alaska. But the other thing is, is that, you know what? Um, if we could decide to move here and give it a try, there's no nothing to keep us from moving away. You know, it's just extra time and extra work and, you know, extra cost, the same cost it was to get up here. And so why not try it and take the risk? People say all the time that they want to try something new and, and actually doing it is something completely different. We really felt like this is something that we can actually try to do. And if we hate it, then we'll try something else, you know, maybe head back down to Seattle and um, land somewhere that we know we like. Heck, that's even closer. Well, that's still almost halfway back to Tennessee, but <laughs> it's not all the way back. So it's fine. <laughs> that's a really great mindset. I feel like a lot of people dream of doing things, but they don't actually go forth with it. So I'm glad that you actually enjoy where you're living right now and you took that risk. Yeah, thank you. You know, it's I, I talk about this a lot with people because, of course, people are like, you're crazy. You moved to Alaska. Why would you do that? Isn't it cold there? Isn't it dark? Yes, it is. All of those things are true. But the truth of the matter is like, you don't have to move to Alaska to try something new. You don't have to move to Alaska to be outside more or, you know, recalibrate your life around something that is important to you. All you have to do is make a plan and then do it. And that is less about, that's less about practicalities and more about self-control and mental fortitude, making a decision and then doing it just like you would if you wanted to, you know, go on a diet or spend 20 minutes outside every day, right? This is not something that is necessarily about the pros and cons of doing the thing or the practicalities of getting there, although those are important. 
It's more about a mental mindset and making a decision for yourself that that's something you want to do, which is not to say any everybody has to move to Alaska or everyone should spend 20 minutes outside every day. Although I think the outside thing is a pretty good, pretty good gig. Um, <laughs> I, three years in a row, I've, I've sort of sold on the concept, but deciding that you want to make a change for yourself is a matter of deciding that you want to make a change for yourself. So that's sort of my take on that. Non-mental health expert, <laughs> but that's my take. <laughs> I feel like a lot of people would like to go outside right now, but. <laughs> well, yeah. And that's, I mean, that's real too, you know, like with uh, COVID and then wildfires in some areas, those are very real, very real considerations. I think it's important to know that going outside is not a moral, like what outside looks like is not a moral imperative. So um, going outside does not mean going to the forest, although it certainly could. It does not mean I have to go for a walk in the woods every day. Your, how you experience the outdoors is up to you and where you experience the outdoors is up to you. And for some of us, that's easier than others, certainly. I absolutely know that I'm hugely privileged on this right now, that I live in a place that is very rural, that I could afford to move to a place that is very rural, that I don't have to worry about meeting anybody on the trail. And if I did, they could, you know, we can go on the different side of the trail and it's fine. But I think that in most circumstances, if you wanted to find a way to go outside for even a few minutes at a time, you probably could. So that's just my two cents. So going back on to when you're driving to Alaska and through Canada, and you were mentioning that there was no radio signal or no cell service, were you ever nervous about not having that? And was there ever a moment that you wish you had it or you needed it? Yeah, you know what? It was like, one, why am I still in the car with these people? <laughs> at some point, I looked at my husband and I was like, who's just driving? Like, I'm in the passenger seat. He's driving. There was nothing unusual about this arrangement. And I was just like, why are you so close to me? I mean, really, why are you here? You know, <laughs> but I, you know, I'm an introvert and that was like a lot of like contact time. I missed having the ability to like be distracted from the driving part. And I don't know that I was fully prepared for how long that would be, how long it would be. The cell signal was kind of like, well, th there goes that distraction. One of the fun things about driving to Alaska and in Alaska is that we have a book called The Milepost. And if you were to look at The Milepost, you'd say, why does this phone book looking thing have information about every single mile on the road? So it's like, it's literally mile one, pull out to right side, mile two, nice view of mountains, mile 2.5, pull out on north side. It's just like, it's like very detailed. That's, we have that because that's it. There's no other information you're getting on the road. So if you want to know where a pullout is, that's your information. That's it. And so you get to a point where you literally just read the milepost mile by mile. Oh, upcoming, nice view of mountains. Look, look to the left, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and in fact, I did that on the Hall Road too, because it, it covers that road as well. It, and it actually does talk a little bit about potholes. The miles 15 to 25, possible ice heaves. Be careful, you know? <laughs> it's uh, written with some dedication. Some very retentive people write the milepost. But that was really the entertainment in the car. That's it. Wow, that must have been a... I mean, I guess at points it probably must have got rough being in that car for that long. <laughs> 
I think your standards change, right? Like usually you're like, I require podcasts and songs. And then, you know, at some point you're like, ooh, mile 2.3, pull out, you know? <laughs> Exciting. I did, I definitely at one point in like a motel room in a town where we had cell signal download a lot of books. I was like, this is, it was like day four. I was like, this has got to end. We got to have something to listen to tomorrow. I can't handle this anymore. Is this a road that is taken by a lot of people? And were there a lot of other cars on the road? Or were you guys just one of the very few? So that was in 2016. Now this year, I think is a little different. There's like nobody out there. It, it, what we were not the only, there was not a lot of people. We were not the only people. Uh, if that makes sense. Every now and then you'd see like this ginormous motorhome that you're thinking, why are you driving that here? Um, like just huge honking motorhome. And then the other thing about this part of the country is that road work requires them to shut down the road and then have just one direction going at a time. So you would be driving for just hours and hours and see nothing and nobody. And then you would get to a section that was closed for 20 minutes and there'd be 50 cars. And so it was a good reminder that you're not completely alone out there. But yeah, it is pretty desolate for sure. That's how I, even though this probably does not compare at all, but that's how I feel sometimes when we're driving through Pennsylvania. Yeah. Well, okay. There, I mean, if you're out in the middle of Amish country in Pennsylvania, like the farmland, that is for sure how it is. It's like, um, is this the scene of crimes? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, if we get lost here, no one's going to find us. No one will find us. And that will be the end of our story. Yeah, for sure. My in-laws live in Ohio. I completely, Yeah. In fact, before we moved to Alaska, and I was like, I did it. I found the middle of nowhere. I really felt the middle of nowhere was in Ohio, but it's not. It's here. I found it. <laughs> <laughs> well, since you did mention that you have moved across the U.S. multiple times, I'm interested to hear if you have to, like come across any stereotypes of certain types of drivers in different areas where you've been. Yeah. So I lived in Washington, D.C. for a little while. And the stereotype there is like very aggressive that the, I mean, people drivers in Washington, D.C. area are very, very aggressive. And it's where I actually sort of I, I did most of my early driving in that area. And I think I probably picked up some of those habits. But God help us, you got to be <laughs> because the signs are not anywhere close. Like they're um, not anywhere close to where they need to be. If you need to get off the highway, the sign is all but after the exit. So you better be pretty aggressive because you got to get over four lanes with a thousand people right there. That is so true. Like we're in Maryland and anytime we go to D.C., I refuse to drive. I'm like, she's driving. She knows it like the back of her hand now. And I'm like, I am never driving in D.C. Yeah, it's crazy. It's especially right there um, on 395 going into the city. You pass this Lafayette Plaza exit. And if you need to be on that exit and you're not and you were in the HOV lane, that you're, you know, good luck. So <laughs> best to you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> So how would you compare drivers from D.C. and you were in Tennessee before to drivers in Alaska? Drivers. So Alaskans stereotypically are just mind like they just really want to do what they do. Like it's not quite minding your own business. It's just it's the freedom to mind your own business if you want to. And so Alaskans are not in a hurry. They just have their own flair. Laws tend to be mm, suggestions. 
So um, I would say like in DC, people are very aggressive and what they want is what they want. Here, it's more like they're a little lawless. They might be driving way under the speed limit. They might be driving way over the speed limit. They might be doing either of these things in either lane. They might just be hanging out at the traffic circle when you think going around it would be the better call. <laughs> Did you have a hard time adjusting to that driving? You know, you get used to it. I'll give you one more example. If uh, we have a lot of two lane roads here, so more people than a two lane road would support. And so if I want to turn left in a two lane road, right, I have to wait for the other side to clear. This obviously inconveniences everyone behind me, but have no fear because they're just going to go around me on the right. It, so that took some getting used to. And furthermore, you're expected to do that. So if I'm sitting behind somebody who's waiting to turn left, the person behind me thinks that going around them on the right is the best call. And if I don't do that, they're going to go around me and that guy both. Are there no shoulders on the roads in Alaska or is it just like literally two lanes? It's very, the shoulders are very narrow in most places. Going around someone on these roads is like, hmm, okay, if you think that works, maybe. Going into, let's dive into the type of driver you are. I know we got a little bit of a picture of what type of driver you are, but... If you were given the option of being the driver or the passenger, which would you choose? Probably the driver. Have you ever been in a car where you were a passenger and you're like, uh, this was a bad idea? Yes. Okay. So I have this friend who is a very cautious driver and we were on this very like windy, narrow road that goes from where I live near, near Anchorage. Um, my town's called Palmer and it winds up the Glen Highway towards the Matanuska Glacier. Okay, so it's like this gorgeous drive, but it is quite narrow and quite windy. And she's just, she was in an accident not that long ago. And so she's very like gun shy right now. And the way she, she took, the, took these curves, just like pot, like hesitant. It, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to, how about I drive home? You know, <laughs> well, we are net one, never going to get there. And two, everyone is very angry at us right now. And three, you're driving me crazy. Did you drive back? I did not because it was her car and I felt bad. I, you know what I did? I, instead of dry, like sitting in the front seat, I sat in the back seat and like just looked at my phone and tried to have a Zen moment with myself. <laughs> so how would you describe in your own words, the type of driver that you are? And would you say that your family and friends would describe your driving in the same way? Yeah, I think that I am probably a semi-aggressive driver. And I think that they would describe it in the same way. I, I think my kids would probably call me a semi-distracted aggressive driver, which is probably not a super safety conscious description. But, you know, I'm trying to deal with them and the road and you know, while I'm saying this, I'm thinking I should get better about that. <laughs> it's like, can, is this driving confessions? Are we changing the name of your show? So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just added on at the end, <laughs> drive with us confessions. Would you consider yourself someone who honks or consider yourself a honker? I, I am a honker. Like, come on, pay attention. If the light is green, it's time to go. Go. Stop looking at your phone. Drive. Is that your DC driving coming out? I think so. I think it might be. <laughs> you know, I'm like one of these people who thinks that things, I, no matter, for whatever reason, it baffles me that the thing that is always 10 minutes away is not five minutes away. Like there's never been a time that it's actually taken me five minutes to get there. 
But I, every time I'm going, I think, well, it's really close by. It'll probably take like five minutes and it does not. And so I'm always in a little bit of a hurry uh, when I shouldn't be because I'm smarter than that. But here we are. Well, speaking of honking, what would you say is your biggest driving pet peeve? It drives me. Okay. So I'm also a runner. It drives me crazy when people do not stop for people in sidewalks. So as aggressive as I am, like as in a hurry as I am, it drives me insane when people don't see pedestrians and when they don't give them the right of way. And that's really just because I'm so often one. And there, you know, too many times I've almost been hit by a car not looking in the crosswalk before they turned right on red. <laughs> Runner trauma. <laughs> yeah, I feel like a lot of people don't pay attention to that. And then it's like, but it's like you're taught like pedestrians have the right of way, but people are just like, no, I'm going first. You wait. Well, exactly. And, you know, I, I don't even know, like, especially here, um, because people people really are not like that. Like they're not, they're not being pushy that way. Right. It's more like, I just didn't even look, I didn't see you. And then when they do see you, they get mad that they, that you're there. Right. Cause it's not about having the right the way it's, it's about, they just almost hit you with their car and now they're trying to make an excuse. So I find that people, so Alaska is not a particularly pedestrian friendly place. The area I live in is. Um, there are a lot of bike paths and sidewalks here. It's really kind of incredible because the rest of the state is so pedestrian unfriendly. But people just don't know. Like they're not used to dealing with sidewalks and crosswalks. And so I had somebody yell at me a couple of months ago that I wasn't supposed to be in the crosswalk because the light, it, the hand was blinking because it was like saying you're, you know, you're almost out of time. And I'm like, that's not the rule. You know, he's like, you're not, you know, the light is red, like it's blinking, you're not supposed to be here. I'm like, um, what? <laughs> <laughs> That's not right. <laughs> yeah, I was like, uh, you, you know, don't get mad at me because you almost just hit me with your car. But yeah, that really drives me crazy. But again, it's just, uh, it's a little PTSD. So. <laughs> Speaking of this aggression, uh, would you consider yourself someone who has road rage or has anyone ever had road rage towards you? I do not consider myself someone with road rage. I, there has been limited, there's been one time in particular, I remember that I was driving and I changed, like I needed to change lanes. And when I do that, I just wave and the like wave up my hand, like, thank you, you know, courtesy wave. And this person, I think they, like in retrospect, I think they thought I was flipping them off. Like they didn't see my hand wave. They just, like they just didn't see the whole thing because I definitely was not. But I was like, thank you very much. You know, good mood. And then they were flipping me like they drove, they revved past me and they were flipping me off. And, I, you know, and there was nothing about this. Situation. Like I hadn't cut them off. Like they had given me space, you know, like it was a very like non-confrontational situation until that moment. And, and then I was like, what in the world just happened? You know, like, what did I do? And I think what happened was that they they did not see my courtesy wave. They saw me giving them the bird, which did not happen, by the way. Um, and, and then I feel like I obviously feel really bad about that because I was like, this, this was such a nice interaction until right now. It's just a misunderstanding. 
Yeah, that's what I always worry, like think about when someone lets me in or I get, like wave to say thanks. I'm like, did they even see my wave? Should I wave again? Right. <laughs> like, do I have to do it again? <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I really am grateful. Like, thank you so much. But no, bummer. Speaking of waving, I think you had an instance with a police officer where he was waving you over. Oh, my goodness. So I was driving. I was in Washington State. I was like on my merry way to the YMCA. And I drove through what was a construction zone. Like I specifically remember being like, oh, look, construction workers. But I did not see was that the speed limit was dropped 10 miles an hour. So I was not going over the normal speed limit, which I want to say was 35 or maybe even 25. Like I was like, Oh, look, we're being cautious. Here's all these people, you know, and the cop. And so in my head, I'm obeying all the rules and being awesome. So this policeman waves at me. And I wave back and keep driving because like, Oh, have a nice day, you know. (laughs) And I see in my rear view mirror, it's like, it's like cinematic. He looks at me as I he like he waves at me, he looks back at me, I keep going and he like double takes. <laughs> and then like, he's like a cop who maybe had a lot of donuts. Okay. So he like runs to his car, which was, you know, hilarious and like jumps in it. It's like his best day. Cause now he's going to like chase down a perp and like flashes on his lights and chases me down. And I immediately am like, Oh snap. I was supposed to pull over and I totally misinterpreted that moment. So, so he pulls me over and he's like, were you like, um, why did you like, why did you flee? And I'm thinking like, dude, I'm doing like 25 miles an hour. Like there was no fleeing and I waved at you, (laughs) but if, but okay, why did you flee? And I was like, I am so sorry. Like, I just thought you were waving at me. I didn't see the construction zone sign. I think he did give me a ticket, but it was pretty, you know, he like took a chill pull right then a little bit, but I was like, uh, my bad, you know? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i was just trying to be friendly yeah i'm just like being nice you know like it's a great be- it's a beautiful day to be alive you know like <laughs> i just thought you were waving <laughs> yeah like you're a nice guy i'm nice let's all wave at each other fine <laughs> that's hilarious the the fact that you took it as oh it's just a high yeah <laughs> it like, makes hi. it more funnier because you know please off they're just stand on the road just hi how's it going well you know what maybe they should i'm just saying <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I think that would make everything better if people just stood around and just waved for no reason hi have a good day how's it going like no campaign signs like just friendly waving in the middle of the street it'll be good <laughs> yeah that would be great <laughs> Well, now that we know the type of driver you are, let's go back to your driving first. How would you describe your first time driving experience and who was it with? So I um, I learned to drive sort of in stages. My mom, I have seven younger brothers and sisters. And so my mother begrudgingly taught me how to drive in a 15 passenger van. So it was like, like just in the parking lot. I'm not even sure we ever drove on the road, by the way. So then when I went to college, I, I um, went off to a really small college in Michigan. A friend there offered to, to help me learn how to drive. So now we're like, we have a 20-year-old, like a not even 20, like an 18-year-old teaching a 17-year-old how to drive. Is this going to end well? And so I really learned how to drive there. And I mentioned that because I have this um, memory of practicing for my test and We're on like a very busy, like four lane road in Michigan. And I'm supposed to be turning into the Walmart parking lot 
And, you know, like when you're a new driver and oncoming traffic, like that's really scary. And so I started to turn, there was a car coming, I hesitated. So now we're just sitting in traffic. And I distinctly remember my friend like gripping the, the dashboard and like yelling, ah, you know, <laughs> like it's clearly very traumatizing to her and, and to me, you know, and I'm like, I'm so sorry, you know, but yeah, you gotta learn somehow. And nobody was harmed in the making of this movie. So <laughs> <laughs> that's good to know. It's fine now. In like, in retrospect also, so the way that at least at the time Michigan did their driving tests, they contract them out to like various driving test contractors. Okay. And that person passes or fails you. And then you go get your license. So my first license was actually from Michigan. And I went and took my driving test. And the woman who administered the driving test was a was like on about to like she was afraid she was gonna lose her job she had had been out with pneumonia and i got this she gave me this long story she needed the people she was grading to give her a good review so that she could keep her job and so there was a couple of different things i know i did during the test that i probably should have been given low like bad marks for that i was not and because because she was motivated to pass me so that I would give her a good review. And so that's probably not a good system. They should change that. <laughs> oh, wow. You got really lucky. I mean, I if, you had any, if you had anyone else, do you think you would have passed on the first try? I think that I would have had to retake it. You know, they weren't like huge things, um, but like I decided to like the light was changing from green to red and I should have I think that if there'd been another grader she would have given me a mark for not stopping at that intersection instead of deciding to go for it like nothing hugely nothing dangerous and I'm a great driver guys I swear to god (laughs) Um, (laughs) this is like more than 20 years ago but at the same time I think she was so afraid of losing her job that yeah she would have that maybe I should have failed and that you know bless her heart Michigan you need to get it together, guys. That's I didn't think that they had, I guess, DMVs where they hired people and their jobs are dependent on reviews because that's not the best. Right. Of, especially when you're giving young kids a license no. and it's all dependent on. And you're like, well, I want to keep my job, so I might as well just pass everyone. <laughs> I know that was my thought exactly. But then I was like pretty grateful to get passed. So, I mean, it did work in her favor. I like I'm I'm not like that. I mean, I was 18, right? I'm not. uh, So who knows what I would have done then? But at least I would like to think that then I was and now I most certainly am not that person to say you did your job and I'm going to give you a bad review. I hope no one does that. So did you have to parallel park on the test? Because this is shocking to me how many people didn't have to. So I'm curious if you had to. I don't think so. I don't think I did. What? <laughs> yeah, but I lived in DC, so I'm really good at it now. Um, and I'm really good. I can even parallel park on the opposite side of the street on a one way street. Whoa. <laughs> I know. These people who use their cars magically parallel park themselves, please. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious to know. So I know some places, if you move from state to state, you may have to retake the driver's test. So did you have to retake it or were you able to just transfer your license when you got to Alaska? Yeah. So Alaska actually requires you to take their driving test. 
and I part of that is because uh, there are some specific to Alaska rules on there that um, are not the case in other places. So, for example, Alaska has a law that says that if you are driving an RV or you're a slow driver and you have more than five vehicles behind you, you have to pull out over and let them pass. It's actually a law and it's on the test. And so, yeah, so I definitely retook the test here and I did not pass it the first time. I don't think I remember correctly. There was, I don't even remember why, but I was annoyed by this. So... Because I'm an excellent test taker. And it's not a road test. It's a written test. Oh, I was going to say, if it's like, if we had to parallel park, it's like, I got this. I'll pass. <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah. So the so the Alaska state test is a, is a well, I, I think they do do a road test for younger drivers, but or first time licensees. Um, but if you're just moving in from out of state, it's a, it's just a written test. Interesting. That's fascinating to know. And that, that fact about RVs having to pull over. I feel like that would help the flow of traffic if it was applied in other states, like the bigger vehicles. Yeah, I know. Everyone should do that. It makes so much sense. And it's just be it's like just common courtesy, like stop being, you know, so but like if you're driving one of these honking huge RVs on these narrow roads. Yeah, I mean, people are going to you're going to go slower as you should. And then you're going to have people behind you and they don't need to go slow. So pull over. Everyone be nice to each other on the road. <laughs> and We're all trying yeah. to get somewhere. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I like it. So thinking into the future, we've heard about your past and your current driving. So thinking into the future with the idea of cars being able to drive themselves, what are your thoughts on this and would you get in that car? You know, I think it depends. So I have some friends with some of these cars. I think that it depends where you are. Like, uh, I'm not, I'm a fan of technology. If it can be proven to be safe, sure. But, you know, how are you going to know if there's a moose in the road, bro? <laughs> Just saying. Do, the, do the, these cars know about moose? Because the, the moose are very large and they are in the road. And you should not hit one. It is not going to end well for you or the moose. Yeah, I'm glad we don't have moose over here. But we have so many deer. Yeah. Imagine like a three times as big animal hitting your car. It's not great. Um, I don't want to imagine that I've been already had two deer accidents, so I don't need anything bigger than that. Yeah, I mean, it's it. Uh, you can tell if a car has hit a moose. Like, if you see the car, you're like, ooh, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> that was a moose. In fact, they even have signs on the road that say, number of moose hit since July 1st. And it's like 53 or whatever. What? You know, they, they changed the number. Yeah. It's like a monthly tally um, for the year. It's crazy. Just to remind you to not hit a moose. Why would you do that? <laughs> because it's super dangerous, you know? So like not all highways are well lit, right? And if you're in an area with a lot of wildlife um, and you're not paying attention, the, like moose are humongous, but they are more stealthy than you think they are. And like you just mind your own business and there's a moose in the road, you know? And you really do have to pay attention, especially in twilight. It can be really difficult to see. That is crazy. I hope I never have to encounter a moose. Well, you know, maybe from a distance. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Or on TV. <laughs> Even better. Probably not going to happen in the D.C. area. Oh, yeah. Oh, if there's a moose over here, <laughs> something's wrong. But it is 2020. So I think anything's possible. Very true. <laughs> All right. Bonus question time. Are you ready? Oh, yeah. Bring it on. 
If you could make one new driving law, what would it be? I have a lot of laws I would like to enforce. Like, why do you have this rule if you're not going to do anything about it? I would eliminate speed limits on highways. They're arbitrary and stupid. Oh, what? <laughs> yeah. Okay. You know, in like Germany, they don't the, um they don't have a speed limit on the highway. Works out fine. And it obviously depends on what highway we're talking about here. So like I've spent a lot of time on the highway in DC and Virginia, right? Like you're talking about a huge volume of traffic. I think that's a much different circumstance than somewhere like in the middle of the US if you're just driving down Route 50 or here in Alaska, there's absolutely no reason to have the speed limit here capped at 65 or whatever. I mean, if you have more than five vehicles behind you, pull over. If you don't, do what you want. Yeah, I guess it makes more sense in the West, but I was like, we've only ever really been on the East Coast. And it's like, I think people in Maryland already kind of go by the, I don't have a speed limit. I'm just going to drive whatever I want. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, okay, but all right, here, to my point, like, if you're going to have this law in the book, have a reason for it and then enforce it thoroughly. You know, it's like, the law it's like the law that says you're supposed to turn when you turn right um, you're supposed to turn right into the same lane in which you already are people don't do that right they turn right and then they turn they like turn into the farther lane which is can be dangerous if you are or they turn left across traffic and if you're turning right at the same time they could be turning into your lane even though they're supposed to stay in the far left lane now you are almost getting hit by this car that stuff drives me insane. Oh, <laughs> As yeah. you can tell. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that, I don't understand why people do that. It's like, you go in your lane, I go in my lane, we'll avoid all That's accidents. Right. <laughs> That's right. That's what I'm saying. Literally, stay in your lane. My goodness. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> do you have any final thoughts or any tips that you would like to give other drivers? Well, I'd say, like, come on up to Alaska, you know, if you want to drive somewhere that is in the great outdoors and where you might see a moose, this is your, this is the place for you guys. Um, (laughs) Come do a road trip. And if you're here and you're driving an RV and you have more than five vehicles behind you, pull over. That's my advice. That's a very good tip. (laughs) Before we let you go, I know you have a podcast of your own. Where can listeners find you if they want to check it out? Yeah. So if you want to um, come up to Alaska or just follow me online, you can find my podcast at humansoutside.com forward slash podcasts. And you can find me on Instagram at humansoutside. I got like a lot of Alaska inspiration on there. I put my my little 20 minutes outside. I put a picture of it up every single day. So um, it's a great place to find uh, more information about um, Alaska and about humans outside. Well, thank you so much for coming on. We had so much fun talking to you. Thank you so much for having me. It's been fun. Our first Alaska driver. Woo! I've learned so much about Alaska from her and what to do and not to do when driving there. What isn't there? The true <laughs> middle of nowhere. And what is there? What Apparently, can you do there? There's something. But would you drive on the Hall Road or would you go to Dead Horse? It's fine because that's one of the first roads I found when we were looking when I was looking at like the most dangerous roads in the world was Hall Road and I was just reading about it and I was like oh this seems so scary so scary but then listening to her it's like it seems so beautiful because like you get to see all these really fake news shots as she <laughs> said <laughs> views fake news views but 
then I don't want to also be going like, no, no, well, I don't know how the sound effects you made, but like over ice, he's like, da, 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 da. <laughs> like, no, especially with those 18 wheelers just like barreling down behind you. Well, it's called the haul road. They're hauling. Yeah. yeah. So would you drive it? I don't know. I don't know if I would want to just fly there <laughs> or drive there. I wouldn't want to go there because of the cold, but as an experience, be on it once. I don't know. Like, I know if we're planning on going on a road trip, we're probably going to be together. And I don't know if it'll be better if we, like, would it be better if we split the drive there or just fly there? (laughs) At that point, I feel like, I don't know, because I don't think I'm at that experience level to drive that. True. And it would take a lot of planning because like she was saying, there's literally nothing to do and you would have to figure out ways to keep yourself entertained. And then also you would have to plan like where you're going to pull over and like be ready for just driving and driving and driving. And lots of emergency (laughs) supplies. Exactly. So if you had to just like up and move to a different state right now, like you had no choice, but you had to leave. You couldn't stay in Maryland any longer. Where would you go? Virginia. Close enough. (laughs) What about you? Okay, so now you can't go to Maryland or Virginia. Where would you go? Oh, darn it. Were you going to say Virginia? Yeah, I was like... (laughs) Okay, if you couldn't be on the East Coast, where would you go? So initially when... Before I went to college and stuff, before then, when I was, I guess, high schoolish age, I was like, oh, maybe I would like to move to, like, Arizona... California was on my list at one point or like Arizona, Nevada, like the warmer states over there because I hate the cold and I can withstand extreme heat. Like, yeah, go live in the desert. I'm perfectly comfortable with that. But as soon as it gets below 60 degrees, which is like not that cold, I freeze. (laughs) So (laughs) I was like, oh, those. But then I don't think I'm made for the West Coast slash Western side of the U.S., lifestyle i feel like i can't take the east coast out of me and i don't think i would fit in over there so you need the hustle and bustle of the east coast yeah so that's why i was like okay virginia is my next option but then you just said i can't choose virginia okay if you couldn't live on the east coast pick a state right now that you had to go to then i think i would go west (laughs) to like arizona ish area because the weather like, California is nice to visit, but I don't think I could live there. It's so expensive. Not just expensive. I don't think I don't think I could just live there. Earthquakes, all that. I couldn't do it. So I guess if you won't let me stay in Virginia. <laughs> no, I was just, I wanted to know what you would pick otherwise. What would you pick? Huh? What would you pick? Virginia? No, if you can't pick an East Coast one either. Oh, uh... I don't know what the weather is like in different states, but I want to pick a state that is not the desert and is not free. So somewhere that's in the middle, like kind of maybe I would pick somewhere in like Utah that's in between the hot and then the cold or in Nevada that's between like the mountains and the desert. So mm-hmm. then it's kind of like in between. Yeah, because, you know, if you go up or you far- can be in southern Arizona, I'll be in northern kind of like before you get to the mountainy part of the Grand Canyons is somewhere that's like... But I think there's a reservation, so I can't live there. Never mind. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so if you can find me a place like that, I'll pick that state. <laughs> somewhere that doesn't snow. I've had enough snow for the rest of my life. Literally. 
Yeah, well, that was Amy's driving stories. <laughs> I don't care about yours. <laughs> and our, uh, yeah, trying to figure out where else we would live. Dilemmas. They're not really stories. It's a story now. Yes. But if you or anyone you know has any crazy, interesting, weird, funny driving experiences and would like to come on the show, you can <laughs> fill out the interest form on our website at drivewithuspodcast.com. Sorry, you were just going on. I thought you were going to give more adjectives. Yeah, crazy, it was funny, interesting, weird, absurd, sad, frustrating, <laughs> happy <stories>. Angry. <laughs> disappointing <laughs> i drove from here to here and that's it nothing I, happened <laughs> i drove two minutes down the road the end <laughs> yeah but stay tuned until the end of this episode for a sneak peek of next week's episode and come hang with us in our discord group because we talk all things driving you can come chat with us there thanks for driving with us And now, a sneak peek. They were going to drop me off on the Georgian side of the border. I was going to go through and meet my other guide in Armenia on the other side. We get to the border and she tells me, okay, here you go. You know, we'll wait outside for 10 or 15 minutes just to make sure you get through and everything's okay. There weren't, weren't too many people in line, maybe four or five people in front of me. Get up to the border guard, to the booth there, hand the man my passport, and he says, do you have a visa for Azerbaijan? <laughs>